to the going get inside. Might have been a handball there. So the shot. Goal! DC United! Valeri finds Dewsbury and he goes to Robbie Wallace to try and work on his left foot. Willie Valeri in the penalty area. Slides and it scores! What a finish by Diego Valeri! Here's this Garoud. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Slash MLS cast is back from the dead. We stopped being lazy and ignoring everything in the world to come back to you. Uh, we got a couple of the old gang back together right now. Hopefully we'll hear from the rest soon. Uh, my name is Chris, username patlanips 11 My name is Josh, username 97227ist. And I'm Ian. Ian. Let's hear that. Let's hear yeah, that. Yeah, let's do it, Ian. <laughs> Username Armascarhu. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, we are back after a long, uh, approximately a half a season long hiatus. Uh, I don't think too much has been has happened in that half season, so I'm sure we don't have too much to yeah. talk about, right, guys? Nothing, Nothing happened. Yeah, no one. Uh, no yeah, one it's been a pretty uneventful on. off season, I'd say. Yeah. Um, today, we're coming back to you today because today was the day of the MLS draft. How do you think you guys did? How, how's your teams do? Well, speaking for the Portland Timbers, I did not expect them to get anyone remotely, you know, interesting, anybody who's going to be ready to come in to even, like, the end of a game on the first team. But we got this guy, Silo Schuma. I'm just, I'm guessing that's how you say his name. Uh, actually, that's not quite true. I read it on our Timbers that that's how you pronounce his name. I do like that his name is Silo, but he's a generation Adidas forward, likes to play out on the wing, looks like a really good guy, and then two more defenders because uh, we have artificial turf and everyone's knees go there to die. So, I think if you put them on earlier, they get a solid one extra year out of it. So yeah, <laughs> well one year the... before they're crippled. Yeah. <clears throat> In fairness, y'all's artificial turf is a little way better than Seattle's and way better than New England, so there's that. Oh, yeah. No question about that. Most things. But I have heard that the turf in Seattle... Actually, weird story. I was on a flight with a bunch of guys from Toronto FC one time after they had played a game against Seattle, and I asked them about Seattle's turf, and they were like, oh, man, it hurts so bad. Like, when you hit the ground, it hurts. They are like, that is a football turf. That is for people wearing armor. So it, it's apparently, it's not the turf so much, it's what what's underneath it. There's apparently not much between the fake grass and the concrete in Seattle. So Cold, mm. hard concrete. Yeah. Ian, how's DC looking? Oh, you know, we're coming off one of our best seasons in MLS history, obviously. <laughs> one for the storybooks. <laughs> <laughs> Most epic seasons, certainly. Well, I mean, it actually was pretty funny winning three games in MLS, but then winning four games, five games in the Open Cup and winning it, that was pretty fun. 
Yeah, you couldn't help but drop that one, huh? Oh, my God. I still, to this day, Portland went out there. Portland was good and went to New, and went to Salt Lake and got spanked every time they went there. And DC yeah. wandered in. They were just like, just give it yeah. to him, man. Just give it to him. <laughs> I think it might have been a I think Garber may have set it up. I'm going to call this a conspiracy. <laughs> um, I know it's a little late, guys, but I'm going to launch the yeah. investigation stat. I'm glad we had this talk. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Garber conspiracies out there. No, um, DC's done okay for themselves over the last couple months, and today they got themselves an MLS-ready player, apparently, according to Matt Doyle and a bun- bunch of people who know what they're talking about, a uh, the most MLS-ready player out there. He's a center back, and we were pretty bad at defense last year, so there's that. Um, I think and- uh, Columbus was scheduled to pick him up fourth, but uh, that changed. Right. Sorry, Sorry about that. Um, and we got some free money from Philadelphia because they wanted to take a goalie that we weren't going to take, so they traded with us. And then, yeah, that's how that happened. Gotta love that free money. Uh, I'm, uh, of course, hanging out with the Columbus crew over here in Columbus. We uh, we didn't make too big a splash in the draft. We, of course, traded our pick to get Michael Parkhurst, which was a fantastic pickup, if you ask me. Um, the first non-homegrown... <laughs> uh, pick up of the off season, not really, but it seems that way sometimes. Um, you know, we're coming off of we just lost Eddie Gavin to retirement and Chad Marshall to Seattle, so we lost a lot of the longtime players. I think our longest tenured player now is Josh Williams, who's been there about three years. So we lost a lot of the experience on the team, and I was honestly a little worried up until the Parkhurst pickup that everybody we were picking up didn't seem like they were replacements for that experience. Um, it seemed like a lot of building for the future, but, you know, we have to put a team together for next year, so it was good to see that kind of leadership added to the team. And then the draft today, we just picked up a uh, another kind of project player. We picked up a left back who is supposed to be ready in a couple years uh, if all goes according to plan, so... Yeah, I remember you were you were pretty upset in our run-up emails to this final recording here um, that Dennis's team was getting better and my team was getting better and Portland was really good and Columbus was just sort of languishing. But now you guys, well, you guys uh, sent out an email that was like, "Hey, it's cool. All of our teams are doing good." And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> all but one of our teams here." No, um, I actually I was actually optimistic, genuinely optimistic for Columbus in that email, or like in my in my heart. Because <laughs> you guys have if only your heart was on the field. <laughs> you have well, you have the new owners, and that's and yeah. they seem like they care. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, we did find out right after that that they put in a bid on Bradley, also that was bigger yeah. than anything Columbus has seen, even bid wise. So there's mm. definitely been some more promising news lately. Uh, the only thing I'm worried about still is the striker position, because at the moment we only have Aduro and Arietta who. Aduro, we've been playing as a midfielder on the wing, and he was really taking well to that spot, which would only leave us with Arietta up front, who got three goals last year. Um, so I think we really need to find a solid striker, and especially someone who Iguain can work with up front, because I think that's such a strong... We have such a strong player in Iguain, and he doesn't have anybody to feed the ball through to uh, that is finishing with much consistency outside of Aduro in midfield. So that's why I'm still concerned about Columbus, but uh, we still got a couple uh, 
couple months to go before the season starts, so I think we still have time to. You also get need that. a goalie too, don't you? Uh, no, we actually got Steve Clark in the off season. Oh, okay. So that's well, going to hopefully work out for us well. Definitely looking forward to it. Uh, we lost a really good goalie to Kansas City, of course, but but uh, I think we they had a plan when they let him go to pick up Steve Clark. So I think that position should be should be solid. Wait, so Kansas City they got Grunebaum? Yeah. So Nielsen retires, and they're like, "Oh man, we got to find a goalie. Let's still come." <laughs> well, currently Grunebaum is sitting second string for them. Um, I can't remember who their first string is. They have a couple of, uh, of locals there, including Greenenbaum. Uh, so I think they're, it's probably going to be more of a fight it out in the training camp situation more than it is a specific starter. But uh, the coaching staff there said they were going to give the nod uh, to the guy that's been kind of there for a while, sitting on the bench. What about, have you guys had any other interesting off-season moves so far? How's, I know DC had a rough season last year. How do you think that's all coming together for him? Well, do you think you filled um, some of those positions? We've added Eddie Johnson. We've added Fabian Espindola, who I've always liked more than the teams that have him seem to like him. So there's that's going to be weird. Um, and we picked hmm. up Boswell. We picked up Sean Franklin. Um there were rumors swirling that we're shopping Luis Silva, which would be really stupid, but um, hopefully those are not true. Um, and we have a, apparently an unless ready central defender now in Birnbaum. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited. I think unless I think DC can compete in the East, um, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be really hard. New York's gonna be up there. Kansas City's obviously gonna be up there. Toronto, and it's really sad that Dennis isn't here to talk about what Toronto's done over the last month or so. Um, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get him eventually, though. But he's, he's probably, he's probably just sitting somewhere, like, him. throwing piles of money in the air. He's probably yeah. just, like, in a money <laughs> shower somewhere. Like, they're, they're just like, oh, hey, have you been a season ticket holder for a couple of years? Come stand in this shower of loonies. You know, it's just always, <laughs> like... Except those are coins, so it's probably awful. But... Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's spectacular what they're doing. It's a real Scrooge McDuck situation here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of curious to see where Montreal lands this year because we haven't heard many big moves from them, and there mm-hmm. are questions about their their age last year. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to well, be interesting. Almost totally melted down at the end of the year too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and a lot out. of people think it's because you know they're throwing the age out on turf half the time. So it's yeah. it's been rough on them. Got rid of their coach, which seemed, you know, a really weird move after what, what, you know, to, I mean, given what he had to work with, he had really, really good players who... It was an expansion got, team. They were fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I thought he did. I thought Shalabam did an amazing job there. I, I, it was a real shame that they got rid of got rid of him. And because uh, I, I thought with some younger players and, you know, keeping some of the same core, but maybe just rotating them a little bit more, you know, like... The guy, you know, Andreas Nesta, he's he's 38 years old, you know. Maybe you don't play him every week. Just right. <laughs> I'm no genius, but it seems like a... But, yeah, he put in a lot of... Are you a genius, though? Know. Every time I talk to you and you talk about your job, it seems like you might be a genius, and I'm not quite sure. Genius job? No, I'm just... I'm a very good liar, and I wear... You're always glasses. like, well, I have to go fix some robots next week, so <laughs> I can't make it. Oh, yeah, this, this is... the robot fixer, everybody. That's what I've decided mm-hmm. this job is, and... Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a thing. This is about to be Montreal's third year, and Montreal's third head coach 
Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of worry in the executive circles that Montreal is just sort of being wanton about this whole thing. And they might regress significantly, obviously, because they're standing still, if not going backward, because, again, their core is old, and one year older is much more significant for old people than it is for young people. <laughs> I mean, unless you're talking about hitting 21. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> that's a good one. No, I, I saw a couple guys on, on Reddit who were Montreal supporters who were saying, like, one of them said, I, I may misquote him a little bit, but he was like, you can take the you can take the team out of USL, but you can't take the USL out of the team. And he was pointing the fingers at the ownership and, and just saying that they were, you know, not quite ready to be running like a professional organization in a league that is very competitive and that requires a lot of smarts every offseason to, to keep your core together and to continue competing, so... I don't know. Hopefully that's not true because they were a great story, and I and I, I mean, I was bummed when they beat Portland, but man, they like the way that they played, especially in those first couple of months, it was it was really really impressive. They were well drilled, they were smart, and they they played some really good games. But yeah, ho hopefully hopefully they'll continue it on. I don't know. I'd like to take a step back for a minute to talk about how great it is this offseason to not be talking about the Galaxy all offseason. Yes! Gotta love it! <laughs> Absolutely. Of all the teams that have been dropping bombs in the past few weeks, not one of them is named the LA Galaxy. Yeah. Biggest thing they've done was sign Omar to a DP contract, maybe? That was during yeah. the season, though. Yeah. Right, yeah. Are they going to have... I mean, is that is that... Are they just... Doubling down on who they have? They have three already, unless MLS decides to add another DP. They've got Donovan, they've got Gonzalez, they've got Keane. None of them have left. But even on moves that aren't, you know, designated players, I mean, you know, they I mean, they haven't... They got rid of Franklin, they let go to Villarreal, but they haven't done a... They haven't done... They haven't brought in very many people. Well, they announced today that they're bringing in a midfielder soon. Random but... international guy. Yeah, so they're bringing in an international midfielder, but that's all we've heard from them hmm. the entire offseason, and it's been fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it has been. It has been nice. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Galaxy. Well, they were our principal rivals way back in the '90s, DC, DC United, and, and them. And I mean, it was nice to beat them in those early MLS Cups, but now I hate it that they're tied with us and have about the same amount of trophies as us, and that's no fun. But yeah, it's it's nice seeing, at least for a change, before Keane retires or whatever, um, that the Galaxy are out of the headlines and yeah. everyone's getting a chance to catch up or something. Is that just Tim Lewicki? Lewicki moves on, LA is suddenly just another team? Ah, uh, maybe. Ooh. Do you think that LA became just another team, or do you think all the just the other teams stepped it up and tried to tried to match what LA had already done? Well, so here's the thing. Like, I keep this is I I've been having this conversation with multiple people, and and people keep saying like, oh, you know, you bring in a really big player, you bring in an international quality player, and that changes things around for you. Look at LA. Well, the first couple of years that Beckham was there, they were not good. It took right. a long time, and they had to have it. They had a solid team because they have a great academy system, and they were bringing in a lot of young players, and that plus bringing, you know, plus Donovan and Keane forming a good partnership and Beckham being there 
that's what made them win for you know that's what gave them two titles it wasn't there's just you know you buy Beckham and suddenly like it's raining trophies that that is not how that happened at all so you know i i think that i think other teams are catching up in other ways you know teams are teams are playing smarter and teams are putting together better teams i mean Bruce Arena is still a great coach and he still obviously knows how to put a team together but you know i, I think other other teams are catching on how to build a team better. I think that's probably it more than just people splashing cash on designated players. Right. I, I mean, and with the complicated endless rules that exist, I would understand completely why it takes a long takes so long to figure out how to build a team. Another mm-hmm. thing that might be part of it was that when Beckham started in 07, um, the salary floor, the, the low end, low, low end guys were making about $15,000 a year. Now they're making about 40000 that's a huge difference, like both in terms of obviously the money that they're making, but also in terms of the quality of player. And that, from what I understand from that uh, that Beckham book that I think Grant Wall put out way yeah. back, way back about four years ago, um, that that difference, that uh, dichotomy was sort of huge uh, in the Galaxy locker room, that's, and it, it kind of led to some some strife and mm-hmm. brought them down a little bit. Since since then, everybody in MLS now is a full time professional soccer player, um, and that probably helps. I mean, just from a professionalism standpoint, and everybody going in and every the same is expected of everybody in the locker room now. Yeah, now, I mean, we've still heard whispers though out of Seattle. You know, when Dempsey came in, that there was some some kind of strife in the locker room over disparate salaries and things like yeah. that. Yeah, there were certainly a few players very publicly on camera making, you know, <laughs> gestures about, you know, financial remuneration or something like that. I don't know. So For I think the lawyers to figure we're completely out. done with. But at the same time, Eddie Johnson wasn't exactly living in poverty at the time. We'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah. No, and it's, it, it, I mean, I think it's something that, so Portland... Just, I mean, not not to like use Port, because Portland's not the only example of this, but um, Portland has one designated player right now who's on 400k, which is, you know, that's I pretty mean, low for a DP. That's a lot of money, but that is very low for a DP. It's very low for a professional athlete, and the ownership and Caleb Porter have said pretty explicitly, like, we're not going to bring in somebody who's on five times or ten times as much money as everybody else because it's bad for the locker room and we think it's bad for the way that we want to play. And when you look at Salt Lake and you look at Kansas City, you look at Houston, you look at Portland, none of them had people who were on five or six million dollars a year. And, you know, a master motivator can get players beyond that, but if you're not really, really good at getting everybody together, it's it's got to grade a little bit. I mean, in Seattle, you saw a guy like Lamar Nagel scoring a lot of goals. He was a great, great pickup for them. He played really, really well, and he made 50000 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was on, like, basically league minimum or just a little bit more, and he's alongside Obafemi Martins, who barely showed up and still took home $2 million a year. It's, you know, it... I mean... It's not going to destroy a team, but you know that can't that can't help, and that's it. It's a weird thing. I remember watching the finals, and Alexi Lawless was like, "You got to expect the DPS to show up." And it's like, 
it, it is still a team game. It's not like this is basketball where you just, like, give the ball to LeBron and, you know, like, go do your thing. I mean, it's... Well, that didn't quite work in the championship. Just ask the Cavs. Yeah. <laughs> True. The yeah. conference finals, sure. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I you know, I, I think that teams that, that really build out the team, I like that they've been on a roll. Um, I think... Maybe I mean I think the Beckham years when LA was really cleaning up those might have been an aberration. I mean I guess we're going to find out because we're going to see how Toronto does and we'll get to see how NYCFC does. But most of the teams that have big money designated player stars haven't. I mean they've done well and they've gotten into the playoffs, but they haven't gone on and done a whole lot more than that. So it was weird because Seattle looks so stacked on paper and they didn't barely made it to the to the conference semifinals didn't put up much of a fight against Portland who didn't have anywhere near the salaries of of, of Dempsey or or Ob- Port- Portland doesn't have anywhere near the salary of Dempsey like port like you take that entire team it's it's about half of what Dempsey gets paid yeah so uh, and New York has always struggled I, I think you might have been onto something Josh when you're talking about the the personality it needs to bring that sort of locker room together, and we see a bunch of Seattle fans complain all the time on the sub about Siggy Schmid, and we saw New York underperform consistently when Hans Baca was the coach, and it was awesome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was awesome. But but New York has Mike Petke now, and he he's sort of gotten that locker room under control. They won the supporter shield. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe if Seattle brings someone else in, I don't even know who that would be. Maybe one of, another one of those ex-players who've seemed to work out so fantastically in MLS so far. Uh, I'm sure Jason Kreis would be a perfect person to handle that, and that's why New York City FC snapped him up. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it, it's just the right person leaving the rock, locker room, and Schmid might not be that guy. Yeah, or he might have been that. I mean, he's done really well in the league. But he did really well in the league. But he didn't have Dempsey before, and he didn't well, have. No, no. But I mean, he's you know when he was coaching LA and when he was coaching Columbus. I mean, he's yeah. done very, very well. But also when he was really killing it, it was maybe a different time in MLS. And I don't know, you know. Obviously, he's a very good coach, and he's not right incompetent at running a soccer team. But I, maybe this, or maybe he just needs a change, or they need a change, or something like that. I'm happy that he's back, but. I am not a Sounders fan, so... Do you think it might have just been that they brought a lot of players in mid-season and they got time to gel, and we'll see a better picture of... They only brought in in one player, though. Was Martins at the beginning of the season, or I thought he was sometime into the season? Yeah, I was... I I remember because at one point I complained about his backflips because I thought he was going to hurt himself. Yeah. No, he, he was there from the beginning of the season. They really only brought in Dempsey. They just... Um, they they struggled to they struggled to put a team together. Frankly, I mean, they, you watched them play and they didn't look like a team. They looked like a bunch of fairly talented guys, kind of running around like expecting Dempsey to do something to make them all gel, and it uh, it didn't work. That said, they did still finish fourth in one of the most competitive conferences in league history. Are you? Yeah, had- they were, you know when Dempsey was injured, they were killing it. When they were on that incredible run and they won nine straight games, Dempsey yeah. wasn't playing. Right. When he came back in the side, was not. It was two games before they started their slide, and 
you know, and and that was a that was a shocking slide. That was like one of the most insane collapses I think I've ever seen. From this and they still and they still made the playoffs and got to host a couple playoff games. And yeah, we're still. I don't know that Seattle Portland series. It wasn't all that close, I guess. Uh, Seattle put up a, a couple goals in the 70th minute in Portland that kind of gave them a little bit of hope, but not really. Yeah. Yeah, they got beat. They got beat at home, and then they just they fell apart. And then everybody in Portland, like Portland's makeshift back line last year, was they had their moments of just complete amateurism. And one of them happened after because one of the center backs scored that third goal against Seattle in the half. And like everybody in the stadium was just like, I'm gonna go get a beer. Like I'm I'm just gonna go chill out. And apparently the back line and and Ricketts just kind of all went to sleep too because. Seattle got two goals really, really quick, and then everybody was like, "Oh yeah, wait, we're still playing the game. Like we yeah. could mathematically lose this if we don't pay attention." So, right, yeah. I want to put a quick editorial note out there. Uh, came up earlier. I just want to let everybody know, since you can't see what's going on on our screens, uh, since last time we met you, Ian's grown out a beard just so that he can twirl it while he talks <laughs> about the Red Bulls. <laughs> It's a good look. Uh, so I think uh, we should wrap it up soon, but let's talk about one other thing before we do. Um, we've seen a lot this week about um, possible increases in, vast increases in the television revenues yes. for the MLS coming up. Where do you guys think that they should invest that money? Academies. You should, every team should have a more functional academy. Um, I think that would be what the USSFF, USSF wants them to do, you know, that that should be, I think, what, maybe not what NCAA teams want, but I don't think it would hurt the college game that much to have more functional academies, and, uh, you know, you have to raise, you have to raise minimum wage, you got to get everybody at least at, you know, an amount of money where they can afford to have a one-bedroom apartment to themselves. Because you get a lot of guys, especially in bigger markets, who have to share housing with teammates and, you know... Well, let me tell all the rookies out there that are looking <laughs> for contracts about the amazing cost of living here in Columbus, Ohio. You can really make that $40,000 go someplace, all right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I that, that would be my... Uh, those would, those would be mine. Academies and just raise the minimum wage. I mean, we got we got people we got designated players on reasonable money. There's no need right. to. So mean, when and that's, talking and, about uh, raising wages, would you suggest raising the salary cap just enough to make room for those additional lower wages, or would you suggest kind of upping the salary cap I think more the so than the, you're upping the minimum players? The I mean, I don't think there's, there's a way to it. There's oh, sorry, go ahead, man. I I think the salary cap could. Could go up to five million. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we at right now? We're at three million right now, and I, I say that because I think they're gonna try as hard as they can the players' union anyway, because the CBA uh, negotiations are coming up pretty soon, um, and we know that because Don Garber is saying things like the league loses seventy-five to hundred million dollars a year. So, <laughs> um, but the players' union is gonna try as hard as they can to get that minimum wage up to about seventy thousand dollars, and I think that's an attainable goal. I mean, the TV mm-hmm. revenue is doubled. I, everything else is probably going to stay the same, but we are going to get new ticket revenue pretty soon from New York and from Orlando. Um, we're going to get some expansion fees from New York and Orlando and probably Miami and Atlanta later. Um, so, yeah, that that minimum salary is 
which we talked about earlier today. You know, before it was 15, now it's about 40. If it jumps up to 70, 75, we have a league that, you know, the the minimum level, the worst level of player is significantly better than it was even five years ago. Yeah. I also think you got to make some room for somebody who's not a $75,000 a year player to where you can get them at, you know, maybe they're not a designated player, but they should get an amount of money that is more than they will get in, like, second division Norway or, you know, second division in Portugal. Because lots of times people can go over there and get paid just as much or more, more. you know, and, and, yeah, more, and and feel, you know, like there's... You're getting seen on a bigger stage and a, and a lot of things. I, I I think that's important too to make sure that a team, if you want to pay somebody 175 grand because they're a key part of your team or they're an important you know part of or yeah. the team you've got, like you should be able to have a couple people like that around. And I, I think we've seen it in Columbus about three years running now, where we've actually had to dump a lot of players <laughs> because we couldn't afford their contract increases, just a standard mm-hmm. increase. Mm-hmm. Um, not even, you know, trying to, to pay out a big amount of money. We've basically had to roll the roster over because we're bumped up against the salary cap. And, you know, all the players are having their contracts renewed or have built-in increases in their contracts. And I want to say we've dumped a third of the team every year for the past three years just based on the fact that we couldn't afford to keep them with the current... We couldn't keep our core together with the current salary cap rules. And that's yeah. even for a small market team that's not splashing a lot of cash on a lot of players. That's a team that's you know trying to build a well-rounded team mm-hmm. with one DP that's making. I think Iguain's making around five hundred thousand, maybe a little less than that. You know, it's not a team that's splashing cash around, but they still can't afford uh, to keep the players that they want to keep. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. well, a little bit of that's got to be in the GM. I mean, you've got a. a your draft pick today is a generation of Jesus guy, which who doesn't count for the salary cap for a couple of years. Um, Columbus is just now starting to get their homegrown products in, and those are don't count against the salary cap either. And I mean that's how DC did it for a few years, signing GA guys, signing homegrown guys who count significantly less against the cap than normal. But yeah, I think we can actually. I think Columbus might see a game this year where we have five or six homegrowns on the field at the same time. Which is nice, and that that goes into the the academy, and also MLS has got a pretty significant investment coming up um, in the USL Pro League, where everybody's going to have a team. Um, that's going to basically be the top tier of everybody's academy, you know, presumably, hopefully. Um, but yeah, absolutely, growing that academy thing, growing it such that, and I know this is something that is going to be a huge focus from basically every facet of American soccer, because you've got Klinsman who's going to say to 2018, he's basically saying, well, we've got to grow the academies. We've got to make sure, more importantly, that the academies are as cheap as possible, if not free, for players and their families, so we don't, you know, price out any significant talent we might miss otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, it's nice to be able to talk about MLS in this, in this way, that the TV contracts are doubling. And everyone's doom and gloom about the TV ratings, but the contract is nice. $70 million yeah. a year, twice yeah. what it was. I'll take it. There's one more thing we got to talk about a little bit. What's that? Camilo. Do we have to? Camilo. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, we're, t- we're talking about money, and we're talking about MLS. you got to talk about the way that we structure all of our contracts, Portland included. 
I mean, yeah. Columbus included, DC included, everybody does it. Everybody does those options to pick up. And when you've got a hot property who's not on a designated player contract, that, yeah, I mean, that. I think what we can take away from the whole Camilo situation is MLS knows that if they go to court, if they go to FIFPRO, that those aren't going to stand. Those aren't going to be considered being under contract, and people can jump out of them. I don't know how they're going to handle this or what they're going to do, but something's something's going to be different as a result of that. He's not the only one either. Yeah, there's a a far fan left via Real that way. Um, Did they leave that way? I thought they just. I thought I thought they were traded though, or 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 sold. No. Well, they were sort of like traded after the fact, sort of like oh. how. After the fact, um, Vancouver's going to recoup a little bit of money, but basically, uh, one of the Far fans in Villarreal and someone else—I um, don't remember who—basically just showed up in Mexico, and one team took a picture with all three of them holding. Oh, Baca, Ra- Rafael Baca from San Jose. That's who it was. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was like, "Wait, what's going on here?" And uh, I mean, Villarreal is probably the most impressive of those because. He's a potential, you know, U.S. national team yeah. candidate eventually. Yeah. We like seeing him play, and he's, you know, I I watched him play in person once. It was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Great product of the LA Academy system. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, and all of a sudden he's gone, and no one knows the wiser. And you know, hopefully that's another thing. I think a lot of it has to do with frustration that there isn't free agency. DC United got a couple of players, a couple of huge upgrades. Uh, because of the reentry draft, they got Boswell and they got Franklin and they got Espindola. Mm-hmm. When there's no real true free agency, which is kind of dumb, um, and I think the players' union are going to push really, really hard for that in the coming CBA negotiations. They might even have to uh, make some concessions, like a salary cap or a minimum salary concession, to get that going. Which uh, I hope they do, because that would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one thing when you've got a, a league like the NFL or something like that, where where else are you going to go? You want to play world class American football? You're going to stay in the United States. You're going to play with this league. This is the top. We certainly don't have that in MLS. Right. The league, only a few dozen hundred miles, depending on where you are, away, has a lot more money and are, are more than happy to pick up quality MLS players for you know what to them is like it's they're they're coming on a free. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and those teams kind of negotiate after the fact. Like your guy is here, he wants to be here. Yeah, you know, like wh- what are you going to do to save face? And and I and I think some of those 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 people who were leaving earlier, uh, before the Camilo one, um, Villarreal and Baca and and Farfan. I mean, I I think it was sort of the same situation, and it's uh, yeah, I, I that I mean, that's that's going to be big. I don't know how that's going to play out, but it's going to play out really big. All right, so before we head off, I have one question for all y'all. So we've got the World Cup coming this year. We've got the new CBA. We've got the new TV deal. We've got uh, Bradley's back, Dempsey's back. There's rumors swirling around Xavi, but those seem to be dead. Um, I think that's dead in the water. Unfortunately. even Is 2014 the most important American soccer history so far? Ian... I think every year is the most important year in American <laughs> soccer history. Yeah, I, you get. I mean, you got to think like making the World Cup. You know that that first World Cup squad that went in ninety. Um, yeah, in ninety. I I don't know why I wanted to say eighty eight because that's dumb. Um, but yeah, in in ninety, 
maybe getting a World Cup in 94. Yeah. That, this is going to be a big year. This is, gonna, this is certainly going to be a big year for MLS. Um, okay, year this, MLS. Is, this is going to be the make or break year for MLS, for sure, okay. I think. Um, well, not make or break, yeah, but this is going to be a... Make or break far. Yeah, this isn't... Well, there's no break, you know, but it's kind of like right. what kinds, of, what kind of make are we going to have? Are we going to we move we closer be. towards being a world-class league, or are we going to say, like, oh, no, here here we have found our limitations, right. and, you know, we are going to be a second-tier league? And well, I think, honestly, I think this year... I think this year is already a success going in. I think we've already... Mm-hmm. Have, we have a lot of team putting a lot of really quality pieces into place, I guess the question will be, can they sustain this growth? Can we keep what we have achieved so far? Because I think, like I said, we've seen so many teams with so many big announcements in the past month or two, starting with Dempsey and going from there throughout the entire offseason. Right. I think that we, I think this year's already a good year, no matter what happens from here on out. It's really yeah. it's an opportunity year, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of that ties into the national team, and honestly, a little bit. Little pressure's taken off the national team because if they're in the group of death, they don't make it out. Whatever. Um, if they do, though, and that's a team that's going to be at least half, if not more, MLS players. They all. I think we're all excited to have been upgraded to underdog status. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. You know, looking at that group, really, the only people who got out worse were Australia. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I, I feel bad for the Aussies. Guys, you know, if anybody's down under is listening, um, it, very, very proud of you that you made it there. <laughs> don't, don't lose by too much. But, I mean, yeah, if the national team succeeds, if they leave the group stage and then a lot of those players come back playing MLS, I mean, I think it's fair to say this is probably going to be the most watched, most watched World Cup in American history. Oh, yeah. Because... I mean, just from the virtue of the start times alone, they're going to be yeah. more convenient. Primetime helps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it's another four years, another four years of growth, and people, more people caring about soccer. So mm-hmm. national team does well, people come home, and everyone's all excited, and they're like, oh, let's go watch Dempsey and Bradley and stuff. And yeah, I think the real question will be how successful will this year be? I think it'll most be determined in what happens following this year, if they can keep this up. You know, we got New York coming into the league, and I think that's obviously kind of a cash cow that can bring a few big names in coming up. We have Orlando coming into the league, and if all of their posturing is to be believed, we'll have... Uh, Ka-ka! A famous Brazilian or two yeah. added to the league. Um, yeah. So I think that we already, I mean, we've already seen lineup for more growth in terms of the on-field product. So I think seeing how the TV deal works out and seeing if um, you know they can get more fans in the stands, Pacific Northwest aside, and uh, get more eyes on the TVs, <laughs> I think that's the that's the way to go up from where they where they've gone so far this year in the on-field product. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm certainly excited about it. I have I have no idea what's going to happen this year. This is the thing that is wonderful about MLS. I literally have no idea. People are asking me, like, how do you think Portland's going to do? Do you think they're going to get the Sports Shield? I was like, that is totally possible. Seventh place also seems reasonably possible. Like, I kind of doubt seventh, you know, maybe like a... Maybe hey, a sixth or fifth, but Ian like, doubted seventh once upon a time. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like it, you know, it could be anything, and uh, I just I don't get that out of. I mean, I love a lot of leagues, um, but I, 
don't look anywhere in Europe and go, gosh, I have no idea who's going to be the top four. You know, and that's the, that's the something that the league doing, The Premier League is is doing as much as possible to ensure everyone's uh. There, there's seven teams that can win the title this year, which is like the it's most true. in their history or something. Yeah. So. I think they're just striving to be more like the MLS. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really... <laughs> Definitely a real thing that is real. Yeah. All right, we used to end these with bold predictions, which was way easier during the season, but, gentlemen, bold <laughs> off-season predictions. Ian, you go first. Oh, okay. Um, all right, Toronto's going to make the playoffs. That that's, doesn't seem as bold today as it did. No, that's really that's not, not bold at all. You're going to yeah, have to try again. We're not going <laughs> to Okay, how about this? DC so makes the playoffs. Wait, do you want to... Uh, this, is, this is a prediction for what's going to happen in the offseason, or this is a yeah, prediction for the season? before opening kick. Yeah, what's going to happen before opening kick? Oh. Um, so I guess it's got to be a transfer, right? I don't know. Earthquake, you know, whatever. Go with whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> You can go um, dark with it too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that that New York City is gonna have to play in Yankee Stadium. They're gonna have they're announce they're gonna announce that they're gonna have to play in Yankee Stadium a lot longer than they wanted to. Definitely. Yeah. That's okay. I I am gonna predict that um, Vancouver. In order to recoup their um, their Camilo loss, MLS is going to, or they are suddenly going to sign not one but two designated players. Whoa! For first kick. Yep. But they're going to bring in two. They've yeah. got the space. But everyone apparently hates playing in Vancouver for some reason. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a beautiful city. Oh no! I have no. They're doubt. very friendly people. <laughs> All right, my bold prediction for the offseason is that the MLS will make a business transaction and we will all know what's going on with it. Oh, no way. <laughs> That's too far. Crystal yeah, clear. Science fiction? Come on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Portland, I bet Portland will sign a designated player, too. I bet we've got... Because we've, we've only got one now. We might pick up another one. Never oh, ooh, I'm also going to bet that I'm going to pick up a stable microphone. Ooh. That's also science fiction. Oh yeah. Who's got season tickets? Ian? No, I'm in. Men- I'm not in MLS land. I'm in Minnesota. Oh yeah, I've you. Got some, I've got okay. some season tickets up in here. And some season tickets. Good for you. I might, get, I, I might get Minnesota United season tickets. I've been to a couple games. They're a lot of fun. Best logo in the lower leagues. I'm telling Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Far and away, man. The Death Loon. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well. Guys, Time for me to Yeah. Sleep. It's been real. It has been real. We should well, do this more often. Yeah, like. Guys, <laughs> the uh, end of the season. <laughs> Can uh, recap the whole year in five minutes. Should be fun, I think probably. we did it, guys. All right. Uh, we will see you all next time. <laughs>